So we are into our third week in our series, Controlled Burn. And, you know, we live in a world of growing hostility, right? <clears throat> um, in just about every area, uh, politics, uh, religion, sports, entertainment, education, uh, you pick the topic and there's going to be people on both sides of the issue. Since October 7th, our eyes have been glued to the television watching the developments uh, that are occurring in uh, Israel and just how perilously close we are to you know, a, a much bigger war that could even turn into World War III. Uh, you know, these are, these are some scary, scary times as this conflict just continues to, to grow. And then at home here uh, on Wednesday, we saw the horrific shooting spree that took place in Maine and so many, so many lives that were taken there. And then it's just like, as you read the news, it's, it's week after week, protests. I mean, the protests that we're seeing around the world right now are, 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 are sickening. We have lawsuits and never-ending lawsuits and, and then violence around and, and people who are standing strong on their firm beliefs and, and you know, uh, taking a stand on whichever side it is. And some people say, why can't we just get along? Uh, why can't we just have peace? Why can't everybody be, just be nice? Why do we have to let all these issues divide our world and our country and our communities and uh, our churches and even our families? Well, the reality is, is what, what we're witnessing on a grand scale is, is a clash of worldviews. In every one of these issues, there are people with this worldview and people with that worldview. And what we're starting to see is these worldviews are colliding. The way they see the world and the way these people see the world is different. And, and, and it's starting to kind of bubble up in explosive ways. Each side pointing their finger at the other. They're the ones that caused this problem. They're the one that did it. And so we're just seeing these, these opposing systems of belief. Christianity versus Islam. Israel versus Hamas. Democracy, democracy versus socialism. Judeo-Christian ethics versus uh, atheistic ideologies. Conservatism versus liberalism. Tolerance versus intolerance. And, and these issues... Are, are coming in many forms. We see uh, religious division, we see racial tension, we see lifestyle choices and gender acceptance and, and all of these things. And, and I think you get to picture the fact that we're living in a world where conflict is very, very real. And so the question is, what should we as Christians do in this kind of a context? Should we strive for consensus and acceptance and peace? Should we just go along to get along? In our time together this morning, I want to encourage you that I think the right response for us is to stand up for what we believe in. Throughout scripture, we are charged to stand up for our faith and to challenge those who oppose the principles of faith. This is becoming increasingly more difficult, but significantly more important uh, as we just see this uh, politically correct uh, movement that's happening in, in our society. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 this morning. And uh, for many of you, this will be a passage that you're pretty familiar with. You can follow along online or through the Venture app. It's a story of three young Hebrew men who took a stand against a wicked Babylonian king uh, who had set up this massive golden statue of himself and demanded to be worshipped. Daniel chapter 3, verse 4. To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, 
In symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and God, we truly desire to hear from you, to learn from you, to God know how you would have us to respond in these really perilous times in which we live. Uh, God, help us to know what you'd have us to do, uh, how we should think, act, feel, how we should communicate. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you just open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to the truth that you'd have us receive today and just guide and direct uh, uh, everything we do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we know King Nebuchadnezzar was an egomaniac. He had this gigantic image erected in the plains of Dura that looked like a missile sitting on a launching pad, and he demanded to be worshipped. And the decree was very simple. When you hear the conductor strike up the orchestra, all you have to do is just bow down and worship the image. No big deal. Just bow down like everybody else is bowing down, and it's all going to be over and everything's good. I mean, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It just sounds so nice, unless, of course, you happen to be a Hebrew child who knows that you're not to worship anyone or anything other than Jehovah God Almighty. Then this becomes a really big problem because you know you can't do that because to obey Nebuchadnezzar is to disobey God. So now they have a conundrum. Now, just so you know, Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible is, is, is you know, in the book of Daniel where we find the story is really a, a, a prophetic book and, and Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the Antichrist. And the book of Revelation teaches that one day an incredibly wicked human being will rule over the world and demand to be worshipped like Nebuchadnezzar did in our text. And this event will repeat itself when this, this man of sin, this lawlessness one, this, this, this antichrist steps into power on earth. And that very well could happen in our lifetime. We don't know. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in here in this story, they had a huge decision to make. Do I obey the government and bow down? You know, or do I, do I bow halfway down and hope nobody notices? Do I just kind of do one of these numbers, you know? How low can you go? And you no, know, I'm not really bowing down, Lord. I'm just kind of scratching my shins. Or do I boldly stand up in spite of the consequences? Well, as you know the story, these young men refused to bow down. And it made the king very angry. So angry, in fact, that he gave them a second chance to bow down or they would be thrown into a fiery furnace. So let's look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we did not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So let me give you the first point I want you to know this morning, and that is that you need courage to stand up against the crowd. You see, these young men knew what they believed. Not only did they know it, but they had the courage to stand up for it, despite the fact that they were going to face what would typically be certain death, but they refused to go along with the crowd. Even when everybody else was bowing down, these three stood tall. 
And this is the kind of courage we need in these last days. We need men and women who will stand for the truth of God's word, despite the fact that it may not be popular, it may not be culturally acceptable or politically correct. We take a stand on the word of God. That doesn't mean we need to be rude or arrogant or unkind in our speech and actions, but we need the courage to humbly stand firm in our beliefs. And that's what these three young men did. And so what happened? Verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, I just think it's amazing that they were so steadfast in their convictions that they would rather be burned to death than to disobey God. That's courage, right? Parents, that's the kind of courage we need to teach our kids. It's what they need to see and hear in our lives. Now, rarely for us are the stakes going to be as high as being thrown into a fiery furnace. But we need to understand that we may be forced to face ridicule for our beliefs, and, and we, certainly, we certainly do that. There are times you may lose a job or a promotion because of your beliefs. You may be forced to no longer participate in a group or a team or a class that you really enjoy because you just aren't able to. You may get labeled narrow-minded, old-fashioned, hypocritical. I've seen people that have gotten cut off from their families, not get invited to certain functions. Hey, in some parts of the world, you may face prison, you may get beaten, may get whipped, or you may get stoned. Believe it or not, that is still happening today. The reality is it takes courage to swim upstream. It takes courage to stand for what you believe in. But we need to. We need to be willing to take bold action even when we are standing alone. I think of Riley Gaines, former NCAA swimmer from the University of Kentucky. She's been a vocal opponent of transgender men competing in women's sports. And she's faced hostility and hatred and ridicule for standing against biological males using women's locker rooms and competing in women's sports. Uh, she's been threatened and she's been hit and she, she, she's faced it. So sadly, we live in a, a day when morality is nothing more than a byword. The, the standards of righteousness have been reduced to what it was similarly the day of judges. Every man does that which is right in his, his own eyes. Hey, what you do is, is you. You do you. Well, hey, you do you as long as it goes along with what God says. You know, but when you go against God, now that's a problem. So I think, I think we need to be prepared that there's coming a day, and now is that day when churches need to stand up against the evil philosophies that are targeting people, especially our children, that are poisoning their minds. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm seeing these protests on college campuses where they're chanting gas the Jews and all this kind of stuff, and, and I can't even believe what I'm seeing in 2023. And we need to stand up as a church and as people and as Christians. We need to. We need to stand up against these evil philosophies that are, that are out there. We need to speak up. 
I'm, I'm glad to see that over the years we've spoken up, uh, uh, you know, against abortion, and we're finally beginning to see some movement in this. Uh, in this, as so many beautiful unborn babies have been have been killed over the years. And we need to keep speaking up for the unborn. We need to step up our efforts to reach the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christianity is rapidly on decline in our country. And we need, to, we need to step up our efforts to reach the next generation. Because I guarantee you, the other worldview, the other philosophies have put all of their energy into reaching our kids at the youngest age possible. Whether it's through the schools, through the television, through the programming, or through music, it's just continual bombardment of a particular worldview. There is an aggressive and well-funded army of people who stand against everything the Bible and Christianity stands for. And by standing against this crowd, we may face some fire. So that's why we need the courage of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We need the courage to stand against the crowd. Secondly, we need the conviction to sacrifice for what we believe in. Pick it up in verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and were cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the, king's, the king's command was urgent and the, fi- the, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed these men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of, a burn, of the burning, fiery furnace. I was a fireman, a volunteer fireman in Westfield Center, Ohio, uh, from 2001 through 2003, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, working as a fireman. It was incredible, and I remember so many of those calls. I, I remember going to structure fires and car fires and barn fires. I remember the intensity of the heat and the smell of the smoke and the speed at which a room and content fire really, really grows. It's incredible. And I remember so many of the fires that we went. I remember one night, it was about four o'clock in the morning, the tones dropped uh, for a, a fire in a town called Lodi. I'd started a church in Lodi, and there was a, a, a trucking company that had their, their uh, 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 repair garage there. So they had these five bays and they would bring in their de- the big diesel semi trucks and that's where they would service the engine. And that fire caught, that, the building caught on fire in the middle of the night. And uh, we were one of the first engines uh, that arrived. And it was such an intense fire that as, as we were driving, we started to get other, other tones saying, you know, a report of another house fire in Lodi. And then another house fire. And we're like, is somebody burning Lodi down? What is going on here? And, and, and the fire was so big that the smoke and the, and the glow was causing people to wake up, look out their window and think their neighbor's house was on fire, you know? And so they were calling in all these house fires. And so anyway, we were the second engine on scene at this fire. And, and it was just intense. It's like you can't even imagine this just orange ball of flames and the whole thing. And uh, uh, I was positioned in the front. We, we, at that point, you, there's no entry. You just do what they call surround and drown. And so we were just protecting all the structures around it and, and, and putting as much water on it as we could. And those, those acetylene tanks, and they blew, just blew out the front door. It was just, it was just Intense, and uh, uh, I won't forget that fire. And then uh, another fire. It was it was June thirteenth, uh, two thousand and two, and I was working on my deck, 
in the back. We were building a deck in the back of our house, and the tones dropped for, uh, you know, it said Westfield Fire, you know, your, your, your department is requested. But, but, but when it dropped, it, it, it didn't just say Westfield. It said Westfield and Lodi and Seville and Lafayette and Spencer and Chatham and Medina and all. I mean, it's just start listing off all of these fire departments. And that gets your attention when you're a volunteer firefighter. And they list off like 10 departments called to a fire. Like, what is going on? And, uh, uh, and there was, there was a, uh, um, there was a, an amusement, but one of the first amusement parks in the country, it was at Chippewa Lake, uh, Ohio. Uh, it was started in 1878, and uh, it was one of the first roller coasters ever, ever made. Anybody ever been to Chippewa Lake Park or know what I'm talking about? Anybody believe me? Okay. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that if that's all I can get, you know. <clears throat> Anyhow, Chippewa Lake, uh, there in Medina County, one of the first, one of the first amusement parks, and um, uh, they had a ball ballroom. Uh, it was the Starlight Ballroom, and uh, all of the big bands from the 1920s back during, you know, the big, you know, all of those flapper dance days and all that kind of stuff. Uh, everybody, Glenn Miller, everybody played at the Chippewa. Uh, Lake uh, Amusement Park. It was just a big, big deal. Uh, and it went until 1978. And I actually went there as a kid and, and remember walking around there. And uh, well, that day, the Chippewa Lake Starlight Ballroom was set on fire by some teenagers. And I was in my backyard and uh, when, when they finally got done listing off all the departments that were called to this, you know, and said what was on fire, well, I'm, my house was only two miles from there. I turned and looked behind me, and there was this massive column uh, of black smoke. And uh, so anyhow, we ran. I was on the first engine out, and uh, we got there. And again, this is a surrounded drowned situation. There's, there's nothing to go into. And so it was my job to go and, and protect a, a bunch of houses that were on the, on the north side of the, of the ballroom. All of that to say, I have been in situations where the fire is so big and, and the, the heat is so much that you can't hardly get close to it. Even with all the uh, personal protective gear that we had and, and, and just everything, it was just, the fire was so hot and so intense that I can't even imagine, even with all the PPE on, getting close to that fire. And the fire, the furnace that these young men were thrown into, it was so hot that the guys that took them to throw them in, they died. That tells you how, how hot it is. And... These young men, for their beliefs, were thrown into this fire. For them to willingly accept that punishment in lieu of just simply bowing down to the image, that's what's called conviction. They truly believed. They they did not want to disappoint God. Conviction is being firmly convinced of something. And these Hebrew young men were convinced that there was only one God who was worthy of worship, and they refused to bow down to any other image. Um, In fact, their faith was so good, uh, so so, uh, strong that they said, listen, we, we believe that our God can protect us. Remember what they said in verse 17? It says, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I love that. They said, our God is able. 
Let me ask you, do you believe that today? Do you believe that our God is able to protect you from harm? To heal you from sickness? To provide for your needs? To restore your good name? To answer your prayer? To deliver you from your oppressors? Because when you are called to stand, when you have to face that time, when you stand for what you believe in, you're going to have to have this faith that our God is able to protect you and to care for you. You see, these young men are an excellent example of what it means to take a stand and to walk by faith. You say, yeah, preacher, but what about verse 18? Verse 18 says, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What did they mean when they said, but if not? Were they saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe our God isn't able to do that. No, I don't believe that's at all what they were saying. They were saying that if God chose not to save them in the fire, they were still going to worship him. They weren't doubting God's power or his ability. I think they were just trusting God enough to say that, hey, if God wants to, in his sovereignty, do something different than save us, then we're good with that. So let me ask you, you may say, my God is able, you may believe that, but does your faith have a but if not clause to it? In your belief system, do you have that that says, but if not, I still will trust him. If he doesn't heal my cancer, I still will. If he doesn't give you the finances I need, I still will trust. If he doesn't answer my prayer request, I still believe. If he doesn't answer it, I still believe. You see, we need to have that. Let's pick it up in verse 32. It says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me. This is Hebrews chapter 11. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised back to life. I mean, these are the stories we all love, right? I mean, I did a whole series at the beginning of the year called The Heroes of the Faith, and we love to hear the stories of the heroes of our faith. I'm thinking in, in next, uh, next year doing one called The Villains. Uh, I think that'll be kind of fun. We, we, you know, we love Daniel and the lion's den and David and Goliath and the three boys in the fire and Samson bringing the house down. And you know, we, we, we love Peter being released from prison. All these great, just amazing stories of when God really stepped up and did something big for him. But if you continue on in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, but others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted with, were slain with the sword. They, were, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. We love the story of Daniel and the lion's den and how the lions slept and Daniel escaped. But what about the Christians who were martyred and the lions tore them piece by piece? 
We love the story of the Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace and God delivered them, but what about those who've been burned at the stake year after year after year? What about them? We love hearing about Peter being delivered from prison, but James was beheaded in prison. All of these people were people of faith. They trusted God and were willing to die for their convictions. Some were delivered, but some were martyred. Some are martyred. You see, our job is to walk by faith and leave the consequences to God. It's up to him to decide what the outcome, what outcome would be best for him to receive the most glory. That's why our faith needs an if not clause. God may choose to heal you, but if not, praise him anyway. God may choose to give you what you want, but if not, praise him anyway. You see, your faith is not just receiving from God what you want, it's accepting from God what he gives. You you need to be willing to receive, but you need to be willing to accept what he gives as well. That's the kind of faith that we need as we stand up against the crowd, as we stand in these evil times, as we have conviction to sacrifice for what we believe in. Third thing I want you to see today is you need confidence to trust in God's greater plan. Back in Daniel chapter three. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who shook up, who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was, Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered to the king and said, Three, or true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. (laughs) There's an old song, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. I love that, you know. That's what we see here. This is what uh, theologians call a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ here in the fire. God himself joined these three young men in the midst of the greatest trial of their life. He was right there with him. But here's the thing. What I find interesting here is that we don't think that they saw God in the fire with them. The three young men aren't the ones that saw the fourth man. It was Nebuchadnezzar who saw the fourth man. You see, when you're in the fire, you may not see what God is doing from your perspective. But you can trust that the fourth man is in the fire with you, even though you may not see him. God's never going to let you go through the fire alone. But sometimes you go through the fire so that other people will see the hand of God in your life. Nebuchadnezzar's the one who saw the fourth man in the fire. Sometimes it's somebody else who sees what God is doing in your life and that may just be why God is allowing what he's allowing in your life. Others will see maybe that the cancer couldn't take you out and the bad break didn't break you and that the betrayal didn't lead to, uh, didn't change and stop your destiny and what God's plans were for your life. That's why we trust the fact that God is working out a plan in our lives And it may work out the way we want it to or the way we think it will, and it may not. But either way, we give God the glory. Amen? Let's pick it up in verse 28. 
Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. I love that. These young men men took, took a stand. They walked by faith. They had the courage to stand against the crowd. They had the conviction to sacrifice for what they believed in, and they had confidence to trust in God's greater plan. The question is, can the same be said for us? Can the same be said for us? There are times when, like these three young men, we'll be called to stand, to stand strong for what we believe in, to stand against that which everyone else is doing. There are times that we will face trial by fire. The whole point of this series has been the fact that God allows controlled burns into our lives to purify us, to test us, and to make us better. And if our faith is weak, we may recoil from the fire. The heat just may be too intense and we just bow. We bow to the unholy things. But friends... We are called to stand in the last days. In two weeks, I'll begin my series uh, on prophecy in the month of November. And we're going to be looking about what's going to be happening in the last days. And we are living in the last days. And in these last days, we need to be prepared for the fact that we are, we are living in some perilous times. In fact, Paul wrote this. 2 Timothy 3, he said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Let me pause there for a minute. We, we, we just sometimes just don't recognize how quickly difficult times can happen. And part of the reason is, is because, you know, we've, 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 we've lived in this great land. We've lived in this beautiful country. And we've enjoyed so many of God's blessings in it. And truthfully, so many of the pleasures and the things that we enjoy are because the reality, let's just be honest, because by and large we have money and we have resources and we have the ability to get what we want and get what we need. But can I just say, you know, we shouldn't put our trust in gold and silver and the almighty American dollar. Because it really could surprise you how quickly that thing that we trust so much in could be gone. Then who do you trust? Then who provides for your daily needs? But know this, in the last days there will be very difficult times. What's it going to be like? Well, people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. 
They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Verse 10, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That doesn't preach well in today. Just be honest. We, we, we'll have, you know, preacher, tell me how it's going to be wealth and, and health and prosperity. That's what I want to hear about. Paul said that's not going to be the characteristic of the last days. He said, he said that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. My friends, there may come a day when you have to lean on what you've been taught. When you have to trust in everything you've heard from the time you were a kid in Sunday school and so when you went through Awana and when you went through your Christian school and when you went to Sunday school as an adult and you've sat through countless sermons, there may come a day when you need to lean into those things because life gets tough. We face difficult days. or Paul called them perilous times. We need to wake up to the reality that this really could happen and we need to face these, these times where you're going to have to be faithful to everything that you've been taught and everything you've learned. Even if you're the last man standing. Stand. Stand for what you believe in. Stand true to the word of God. Stand up for that which is right. Amen.